Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's DCNEWS35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Hey there all you DC Comics News fans, comic book fans, fans of comics, or fans of podcasts about things like comics, and maybe just great stories. You've arrived. This is the DC Comics News Spinner Acts, episode number 109. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. My absolute pleasure each and every week to select what I believe are the top five books from DC Comics. You'll hear some slumberings and snorings in the background. Those are my compatriots, Bruno, my French bulldog, there with the, I don't know what kind of exhale that was, but it's unique, it's specific to him, you're not going to find it anywhere else. And then of course my pitbull Fiji, who is softly, somewhat snoring, droning, drifting, and she'll be sleeping deep soon. Who knows, maybe you'll get some snores. Either way. My absolute pleasure to hang out with you, talk about comics this week, just like every week. I've got all the books that are coming your way from June 8th, 2021. Kicking off my list is a great story I've loved sharing on uh, this series. It's Wonder Woman 773, and it's an absolute pleasure to share with you the uh, finale to Afterworlds, Part 4. Written by Michael W. Conrad and... Becky Cloonan, with art by Travis Moore, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, letters by Pat Brousseau, the original cover by Moore and Bonvillain, with a variant cover by Joshua Middleton, and a pride variant cover by Paulina Ganucho. Ooh, I hope I said that right. If I didn't, please correct me. Let me know. I'd be happy to fix it. And then just be prepared. Even when I know how a name is, I could end up saying, say, Michael W. Conrad. And I know better. My brain knows better. But the mouth, it's its just, it's always been a troublemaker. What can I say? The thing I love about Afterworlds is it brings us to one of those great places where Wonder Woman remembers who she is. Sometimes characters on journeys, they lose that part of that self-knowledge. They might forget the parts of themselves that have always been so great. And one of the struggles for Wonder Woman, while she has been in the afterworld, Valhalla, 
and as she has sort of witnessed the struggle that has been affecting the Asir. And unfortunately, when it comes to struggles like this, it's only more complicated by the fact that Diana doesn't quite remember who she is. I mean, she knows her name's Diana, but she's forgotten that she goes by Wonder Woman. And it's only as we've approached this final arc of the, or this final moment of the story arc, when she remembers that and is quick to correct those like, say, Thor, who want to call her Wonder Woman. Now, she's gone to a place that you're not supposed to go, a place that you're not supposed to enter. And while that might seem scary for normal people like us, as you can hear, my French bulldog Bruno is just snoring away, content, happy, however it may be. But visiting the Valkyries is a no-no. And Diane doesn't care because she believes in the thing that she's doing. She's also encouraged by her good friend Ratatosk, the amazing furry squirrel chipmunk-like figure who lives in Yggdrasil and has been such a companion to Diana, who goes to the Valkyries seeking an explanation and an understanding for why it is that soldiers are not being taken from the field or returned, why it is that they're disappearing, why the Valkyries aren't doing their job. To which the Valkyries are quick to answer, one, that she's an intruder, and two, that they're tired of the mindlessness of the things they are doing. And they are frustrated by it. And they no longer wish to do what they are doing. They are not disappearing. They are simply quitting their jobs, I guess. Which doesn't sound like a great way to go about things. But then again, if you've been doing it for millennia, as they explain, and the time and the cost, and as the struggle between the Valkyrie and the newly arrived Asir, led by Thor, who wish to battle and war, Wonder Woman gets herself right in the mix of things and puts her hand around Thor's throat, challenges him to a duel, at one point smashes his hammer. Yes, that's right, the, ma the mighty Mjolnir. Except it's not. It's actually an example of the challenge that they have been dealing with, which is Dr. Psycho, who provided enchanted magic weapons manipulating the subconsciousness of those in Valhalla so that they would bring out their worst negative traits and the strain that this is causing Psycho to be there and create these problems is actually an advantage for Wonder Woman who strikes out, takes out Psycho and is aided by a good friend by the name of Mr. Boston Brand. Now, where things end up, well, I mean, because that's only part of the story. In fact, we end up with a lovely suggestion of what is next for Diana and how she has made some great new friends and also how just because she survived this journey and things have gone well, doesn't mean there isn't more trouble along the way for her. Yes, those snarblings of my French bulldog Bruno suggest that, uh, it's not much to be worried about, but I'm going to wait for issue number 774 to see whether or not it is something to worry about and whether we get to have more of Wonder Woman here on the spinner rack. I would be remiss not to point out there is a lovely secondary story. I love that DC has been putting in these backup stories in so many of their main titles. This one, Stories to Tell, featuring young Diana, is written by Jordi Belair with art by Paulina Ganusho. Man, I'm still hoping I'm saying that name right. Colors by Kendall Good, letters by Becca Carey. And it's one of those great things that does so much so well. 
not only highlighting a missing piece of Amazonian history, but also how it is that there are things that are expected of her and of Amazons. And for all the good that expectations can sometimes provide, there's also a challenge if they leave things behind. And through a lovely exchange with an outsider who is quick to offer some insights, um, it's an amazing experience with this character, Magala, who really breaks down the concept of how powerful stories are and how important it is when they conflict with the truth. Offering this great insight into the idea of how important a story is, saying we place so much importance in a story that it has made truth difficult to tell, especially if that truth is going to contradict a long-held and maybe even treasured story. This was a great introduction to this week's um, collection, the uh, choices I got to choose from, and why it is that doing this work is sometimes so immensely rewarding just for the things I discover through the process of reading all these great books. And it's just one of the many reasons why I loved Wonder Woman number 773, why it's my lead-off book, why the story, the art, wonderful lettering, uh, really makes a complete package. Why it's a 5 out of 5 choice, why I'm happy to encourage you to check it out. Just as I am also encouraged to tell you that, man, if you haven't had a chance to check out Far Sector number 12, It is absolutely amazing. It is a joy. It is a treat. And for me, it provides a really nice context for uh, the Green Lantern series, which has been introducing so many different facets of the Green Lantern core, so many different members of the team that we've seen, and uh, a host of new challenges that they're all going to be facing. One of those to arrive is Joe Moline, Sojourner Moline, and her arrival comes after her experience here at Far Sector. Far Sector is a lovely book that I've enjoyed from N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell. The uh, story by Jemison is top-notch in every facet, and the art, color, and cover by Jamal Campbell is... Uh, man, it makes space look so good. And maybe that sounds easy, but I don't always think it is. Then you have the uh, really impressive lettering of Darren Bennett with a variant cover for this one by Jem Bartell and the wonderful ending to an amazing series that, as far as I'm concerned, like, man, there's good comics and then there's great comics. And this falls definitely in that greater category. It makes it so much fun to come to the end of this story and discover so much that has happened in the city enduring and what it means now that we see Joe up against the wall, fighting as hard as she can, knowing that she has very little power left in her ring, and yet not afraid to use it and to fight. And because of that, there's also a lovely discovery, um, not only on the part of Joe, but on the part of those around her, the experience she's had, what it's meant to her, why it's important to her, and because of that, why it is that the value of this story not only informs us who it is that uh, 
this new Green Lantern, not only is as a person, but who she is as a person after going through this experience and what it means to have this kind of a Green Lantern available for all the great stories that I think the Green Lantern Corps has been funneling away and keeping ready for all of us just just so we can enjoy them for all the great reasons they exist. I've enjoyed every moment, every chapter, every aspect of Far Sector. I hope it's one you've been enjoying too, and if it is, then I think you're going to find issue number 12 and the finale to this maxi-series quite satisfying. I know I did. It, it says so many of the best things. It answers so many great questions. It asks so many more, and it leaves us wanting the next chapter in the adventure that has been Sojourner Moline, Far Sector, and the wonderful team that, man, I just can't say enough about how great they're doing. I hope N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell partner again on another project, and we get the chance to see just how much more great things they can do, not only with Green Lantern, but maybe other characters from DC. Who's on your top list? That's what I'd love to hear about. While you're marinating that thought and your answers, we're going to go ahead and cut away to a quick ad break, catch you up on all the great things going on here before we come back with my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks for staying tuned. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site wide by using the code DC News 35. That's D C N E W S. 35 DC News 35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com Hi everyone I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News podcast here every week to talk everything DC movies TV comics and everything in between but don't just take my word for it here are a couple of our sponsors listen to the DC Comics News podcast it's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. 
Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> Here's <on> hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want. God damn it. All right, we're gonna Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and 
very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un, unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. Available exclusively on YouTube. And there with that cool, smooth, jazzy saxophone fading out, we are back. Episode number 109 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. First two books out of the way, and fine, fine choices they were, which is why it's so easy to keep things going with my third choice. Oh, we got a little feedback there. That's right. The ice machine is running for that guy with the mechanical knee. Now that it's quieter, let us move into my third choice. I'm talking about Future State Gotham number two, Death by the Family. Ooh, just painful. Also, Hunt the Batman, part two of this series. Yes, my French bulldog Bruno is snoring away. No, there's not much we can do about it, but thanks for always understanding. This story written by Joshua Williamson and uh, Dennis Culver features lovely art by Giannis Milo Giannis, letters by ALW's Troy Pateri, uh, cover by Ladrison, and variant cover by Derek Chu, and a phenomenal introduction to an idea about just what do you do when you've got someone like Jason Todd on your team and you need someone who is already perceived one way in the eyes of not only the public, but also those considered to be his family, especially his Bat family. Now, using those expectations to put a plan in place that would play off all the worst qualities of those expectations, all the worst tendencies, even cause a great deal of doubt in the hearts and minds of those who previously would have been his staunchest defenders, is actually a brilliant tactical ploy and one that is introduced in the very first page of this series, not only showing the history and the tension between Jason and the other members, but also the challenge of an opportunity to infiltrate the magistrate, to become involved in the hunt, but yet also to be a double agent, which sounds like it would be a challenge that would break the average person. It would certainly break me. And yet Jason is able to take it on with a suave assurance and also a finality, one that feels very dangerous and full of loaded potential. And one also in which there are some great exchanges, not only between Jason and Bruce Wayne, but the members of the Bat family who are struggling with the conflict of what it means to be hunted by one of their own to know that Jason has always been the outsider, and yet why it is also that the uh, appearance of another member of the Bat family during a crucial moment is not only extremely significant, but also wonderfully valuable. And then we move into this great story, The Cavalry. John Ridley, man, phenomenal writer, brilliant stuff, with art by Olivier Koipel and Letters by Darren Bennett. The Cavalry is a great opportunity to play off tensions, off what it means for a new Batman, not only in the eyes of those he looks to protect, but also those he must confront, how they will always underestimate and, for the most part, use the differences 
between who he is and who the previous Batman was to leverage or work as much as possible against whatever Batman's plan might be to see if they can find a crack in the armor and if so then exploit it. Not usually the case with our new Batman, someone who is lucky enough to have some support but who is also part of a larger narrative about a family connection to the Waynes and the cost, the consequences, and how each member of the family has dealt with that connection and what their choices have led them to. Clearly, for two members of the family, the choice is to take up the mantle. One definitely seems like uh, a choice made for personal reasons. The other feels like an obligation. Which do you think is the character providing those sets of explanations or possibilities? You're going to have to read this one for yourself. It's Future State, Gotham number two. It is quite gorgeous. It is lovely. It is all the things that have made the Future State stories so much fun and why it is that they're also unlocking great insights to the near future and then allowing us to enjoy the experience of the stories that are building to them. And that's my third choice on this episode, which means with Future State Gotham out of the way, it's time for me to move to my fourth choice. For this one, I went with American Vampire, 1976. Not a book that stayed completely on my radar at the beginning. For all the things that I enjoyed about it, I also felt like there was a lot of competition. So early on, when I think a lot of the issues were developing some of the structure, and while they were good, were in conflict with other issues at that time that were deeper into their storylines and thus providing a more compelling read at the time. Well, we've reached that point now with American Vampire 1976, number nine. I really enjoyed the presentation of part nine, farewell, part one. <laughs> and we get this great letter that's just saying, hey, basically, you're about to take on the most dangerous thing, and I'm pretty sure that you shouldn't do it. But since you're going to go ahead and do it, and that's just how it's going to go, let me just offer some pieces of advice as... Skinner, let me just say, hey, <laughs> don't go about this the wrong way. And if you do, here's hoping you don't discover this. And then, of course, the panel shows that that's exactly what they are discovering. And then it continues on. I hope this doesn't happen or this or that you turn back before this. But should you see that, be aware. It's the hope that's the most dangerous. And yet, it is all of these conflicts that are juxtaposed against a political flight and plans for participation in a very violent and very evil right and tradition. And then also the arrival of an unexpected one who is clearly there to provide a last glimmer of that hope that the letter actually warned against and then through it a discovery and with it potentially an opportunity to change not only the momentum but the power set of those who wish to oppose something that up until this point seemed 
uh, impossible to defeat. And now possibility just might exist. That's why it's a great story in American Vampire 1976. It's why I enjoyed uh, not only reading it over, but having a lot of fun sharing those details with you. I did skip over that credits info, so let me just let you know that this one, written by Scott Snyder, featuring art and cover by Raphael Albuquerque, colors by Dave McCaig, with letters by Steve Wands, and a variant cover by Jorge Fornes. You're going to be hard-pressed to choose between the two. The original is awesome. The variant has a great political feel to so much of the time and captures a lot of the great energy and style. Wonderful collaboration, wonderful collection, a great five out of five pick for my fourth choice, which means it's time for me to bring things around to my fifth and final choice for this week, the books from June 8th. And for my fifth and final, I decided to go with DC Pride. My goodness. I mean, it starts out with this lovely forward by Mark Andreco telling a story about how a 13-year-old him would have never imagined that what you hold in your hands when you pick up DC Pride could ever be possible. And the letter is a wonderful expression of all the different challenges that communities face. And this book seeks to represent a community and the members of it through the great stories whether it's The Wrong Side of the Looking Glass by James Tyne IV, with art by Trung Lane Nguyen and letters by Aditya Bidikar, or By the Victors by Steve Orlando, with art by Steve Byrne, letters by Josh Reed. There's also Try the Girl, written by Vida Ayala, with art by Skylar Patridge, or Patridge. Who knows if I got that right? Jose Villarubia on the colors with Ariana Mar on the letters. There's plenty more stories. Another word for a truck to move your furniture. It's the light of my life. Clothes make a gift. Be gay, do crime, date night, and love life. Plenty more artists and writers. I gave you a tease with those first three. I'm going to encourage you to pick this one up and check out all of the great talent it's a lovely combination and one that features some brilliant ideas. I mean, the first story starting out just has this lovely Batwoman story that feels not only wonderful, but also nostalgic. Looking back on the earliest days of Kate Kane and also what has been a foundation for bringing her to the place where she is in this story the challenges faced between her and her sister, and also then a wonderful ending that feels just so familial, so thoughtful. The next story, Time in a Bottle, picks up with John Constantine and proceeds to charge along. And there's plenty to enjoy that I could spoil for you, but why take that chance? Why not allow you to have it all for yourself, and because of that, then come back, share with me all of your favorite points. That's it. That's my fifth and final book. My dogs are still snoring. Hopefully you didn't fall asleep, but if you did, I don't take it as an offense. I know some people are listening to this on their ride to work, their drive to work, maybe while they're doing chores, 
or something else? And should that be the case with you, even if it is that the, uh, the end result is you listening to this to fall asleep? I'm glad you hung out for as long as you could. And if you made it here all the way to the end with me, well, just like to encourage you to always feel free to send a message to the team here at DC Comics News. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S, on all your favorite social media platforms. You know the ones, you pick the ones, send us a message. We'll hear the questions, your comments, your feedback, and get back to you in the quickest way possible. Also, subscribe. Whatever platform you're listening to, DC Comics News Podcast Network has everything from this weekly spinner rack to weekly episodes of the DC Comics News Podcast capturing all the best in movie, television, streaming, comics, and more. Original programming like I Am the Night, the episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series, or DCN After Dark, our YouTube offering, featuring our very own Kelly Gaines and her good friend Tony, Hester. Sometimes I forget his last name. Sometimes I remember. This time, I think I got it. Other times, I've said it just completely incorrectly, so... Bear with me, because you know be mine now. And with all of that, we're going to go ahead and bring episode number 109 to its conclusion. Thanks again. Can't wait to hang out with you next time to bring you all the books from next week. Until then, as we always like to say, read more comics. Have a great night. <laughs>